everyone. Welcome to the Women Wired for Wellness podcast presented by Holistic Icon. I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Shalom. You may be thinking, does the world need yet another podcast? As a physician in practice, I have been intrigued by the fact that despite our education, despite the abundance of information and advancements in a country like ours, women struggle for decades with troubling symptoms to seek help, or even when they seek help, suffer for years before they can get a resolution. It is my obsession to understand one, this culture, Number two, understand how we can create health and move away from this preoccupation of diagnosing and managing disease. Therefore, one of my passions is to teach both my patients and people who come in contact with us as it helps me empower myself and them with the knowledge that our health is probably the one asset we all can control. This control begins with knowing all that has been known about it. It is not simply about knowing a disease and considering the right medicine medications, which has been presented today as our only option, as it certainly might be the only option if we choose to do nothing different. But to truly live fulfilling lives, we need to know how to tap into our innate nature to heal. When it comes to health, there is a finish line and there is a timeline to get to it. We help you get there with a different way of thinking. If this podcast has helped you or opened your eyes to a different path, please take time to leave a positive review. And if you felt it felt sure somehow let us know how we can improve it let's get on to today's podcast hi guys dr chellum so this podcast does not need a long introduction this is one of our patient empowerment podcasts and the reason i love doing this is many a time patients don't know the options that they have so this is one of those podcasts that i want um, you to understand that when you have a devastating diagnosis or when you have a diagnosis, there's a lot more you can get by not simply accepting the diagnosis, but actually doing something with that information. So in this podcast, one of the reasons I uh, brought on Susan to talk to us about her journey was the fact that she wanted, she never felt like she was a victim of her disease process. Most of us feel victimized when we have cancer, when we have a stroke, when we have an autoimmune disorder. It's like, I'm helpless. I can't do much about it. It runs in my family or I, there's nothing I could have done about it. But when you take responsibility, what we find is these patients who take responsibility actually have power. And here are a few snippets of our after-podcast conversation that we had. And as you listen to it, you can understand why I love conversations like these. What I did created it. Therefore, what I do will prevent me from, you know, creating it again. You know, I need to own And that's powerful. That's empowering. But it's also frightening for people who don't want that level of responsibility. Please understand, we're not trying to say that everybody who has a devastating diagnosis actually brought it on themselves. That's not what this is about. We need to move away from feeling like victims into what we call victors, you know, actually taking control of our health. Let's get into another snippet with Kim's famous tagline. 
and we're into this mode of victim. Like I, I even the other things that really drives me nuts is these ads about big sized women um, and saying, right, you know, you got to own your uh, size. You got to be proud of who you are. It's like, it's okay to own. It's okay to be proud. And I think you should be, but don't get comfortable with disease. Right. And a lot of times, if it if your weight is a sign of an underlying health failure, yeah. that is not good to be proud about. And it's frost and shit, right? It's like, and it's like, but but what happens is we try to normalize it, right? And it's like, we're normalizing, yes, you know. And it's like, no, it's not that there's a perfect weight or look, right? But there is dignity and honor, and um, and are we are we honoring and, and, and um, dignifying ourselves. Right. Um, and that's a conversation people are afraid to have, right? Because that means I've got... Because once you say, I'm a victim of something, then you say that you're helpless, which means you become powerless. And if you're powerless when it comes to your own health journey, no one else can actually help you. Because most people are helping the disease not the person. So we really encourage people to think a little outside the box, understand that they are in control of their health and well-being. And the thought process, the journey that you need to have may be a little different than when you go into just a one-track traditional medical approach. Traditional medicine helps us in acute instances, but when it comes to regaining your health, it has to begin with you. So without any further delay, let's get into the podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Chalam. I have two beautiful ladies today with me, and this is our patient empowerment podcast. <laughs> so sitting next to me is Sue Olson or Susan Olson, and I have on the other side from are you at New Orleans now? I'm in New Orleans today. Look oh, at that. Wonderful. That's him, our life coach. And hopefully many of you listening to this podcast or viewing this, make sure you keep July 13th um, booked for coming to our uh, workshop, where, which will be run by Kim. And she's going to give you the three takeaways to really prevent chronic disease, right? Yeah, just get control of your life and let's go. Let's go. Exactly. So this is one of those podcasts we're going to talk about um, a very unique situation. One of the things, you know, Sue has been a part of our practice for some time. And I think the last time when we um, were talking, you said something that just caught my ear and my eye, right? Uh, you said, uh, well, when I got, when I had breast cancer, I went to therapists and whatever, you know, people kept saying these things happen to people, but I owned it and I really felt I was responsible for it. And I was like, that's a very powerful statement for patients. And let me tell you why. Most people who get a, um, a devastating diagnosis of either breast cancer or autoimmune disease or um, a brain, um, you know, a, a brain tumor, anything uh, very um, life-altering mm -hmm. diagnosis, mm -hmm. the first thought process is anger. Oh, yes. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you had anger oh, yeah. too, oh, was right? Angry, absolutely. Right. Very angry. But the anger most of the times is projected outward. It is toward their medical system, toward their provider, toward the, like if you've been doing mammograms on a regular basis, the fact that your mammogram missed the breast cancer all these years and then found it at a later stage or how did this happen kind of a question or why didn't my primary care do better testing or um, I uh, it was my marriage that caused my um, breast cancer or I was very stressed at this job, whatever it may be, the anger is always projected outward. So what I want to have in this conversation is your specific journey where you said you owned it. So tell me, were you angry when you had the diagnosis? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was um, an hysterical mess. Hysterical oh, mess? Oh, just like I'd like to watch that. Screaming, crying. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, I was, I, yeah. So I don't know. I felt like, well, it was my fault. I had an, an integrative medicine physician, and she died suddenly and oh. so I was kind of like oh I don't really have a physician and um, but I'd been having thermograms mm-hmm. which is supposed to predict uh, you know lumps like 15 mm-hmm. years out like so I'm feeling like okay mm-hmm. that's really cool but for accidentally you know through manipulation I find this lump mm-hmm. and so okay don't have a physician so I find somebody I go well they want to do a biopsy on it and but luckily I was connected with a um a doctor of naturopathy, and she directed me to um, a, a medical system, uh, you know, a huge medical system, and a, a surgeon that she loved. And so I went there, and they diagnosed me with cancer. And I, and I really didn't, couldn't believe it. Like me, I, you know, I'm living a healthy lifestyle. I'm eating well. I thought, like, but I was an emotional mess. I was, let's face it, I was angry with my children. I was probably angry with my husband. Loved my job, though. I mean, although it was. A little stressful and um, but oh yes I was just an hysterical mess and so like during the process of being diagnosed I had gone to um, this is I love this sorry I was thinking about that I had gone to a hypnotist because I wanted to lose some weight mm-hmm. and so I had this weight loss um, meditation and <laughs> in the height of my diagnosis I'm playing this at night like 50,000 times, hit and play, like, you know, deep breathing, relaxed, trying to quiet my mind. Oh, my goodness, I was trying to quiet my mind because it was, whew, talk about, Daniel Amon talks about ants. I mean, there were, like, my my brain was crawling with ants, you know, negative thoughts and anger and everything. But through it all, you know, and so I was seeing a, counselor who had been who had also had um breast cancer oh no you're just unlucky one in eight women get it there's nothing you know you did kim is like dying to jump in (laughs) and and you know and now i understand the gut brain connection which i didn't then but my gut was telling me like what that that doesn't make sense to me so what are your thoughts, Kim? Because I know you had all those multitude of thoughts. Walk and oh my gosh! I mean, it's it is so common, right? That instead of like dealing with what's in front of us, we excuse it, as, you know, and it, and it just becomes this swamp of murky, 
right? And somehow that's supposed to make us well. That's supposed to help us navigate life. That's supposed to give us strength. What it does is it spreads the crap so that we can't get a handle on what's, what's going on. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The truth sets us free, right? Exactly. The truth sets us free. And so uh, my dear sister, who was uh, you know 1,200 miles away, didn't know what to do for me, sent me a box of books on breast cancer. And like, oh, no, I'm looking at these. And, and, but a couple of them resonated with me. And, as, and so I, you know, I began to read, I began to, but also I was connected with this like really um, kind of out there, um, you know, raw vegan, you know, religious uh, diet kind of program. And they promoted, um, a raw vegan diet juicing and stuff like that. And I thought like, what the heck, you know, that sounds like a good way to get a lot of nutrients in my body. And so my doctor of naturopathy um, said to me, which I thought was a very interesting question. She said, well, what blood type are you? And I said, I'm blood type A. And she said, oh, they respond well to raw vegan diets. Yeah, this sounds like a good idea. So my dear husband juiced 40 ounces every day of fresh carrot, kale, apple juice. And I ate a raw vegan diet for, um, you know, really whole plant, plant-based whole food. Plant, let, me, let me say not vegan, but plant-based whole food diet, mostly raw, for about a year. And, but, uh, but I did it for, ironically, 40 days before my surgery. Again, you know, oh, do you, do you want to have your surgery right away? No, I have to get through about 40 days of work mm-hmm. in order to f- be in a place where emotionally and cognitively I can be ready for this surgery. And so I postponed the surgery, which again is like, <gasps> they're going, you want to postpone your surgery? Yeah, I do. I mean, I just felt like it was the thing to do, so I did. So there are a few things here. I mean, um, I personally, I, I don't know those. There, there is science behind the blood type diet. I know a lot of uh-huh. providers like it, and the, or there's a science behind the raw juicing. But in general, when you go to a whole food, healthier diet we shift a lot of inflammation and cancer is underlying as inflammation. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what is important in what you said is you said you waited 40 days. What is the first thing that happens when people get a diagnosis besides anger? The second actual uh, emotion is fear. Mm -hmm. Did you not have fear? I didn't. uh, Well, let's see. Was I, I don't know. I felt like because I was doing something, because I was actively doing something like juicing and, um, and it felt right to me. Uh, you had belief in that particular approach. Yes. I had a belief in that particular approach and I was reading this book on healing cancer and, and, um, I read Suzanne Summers book knockout. So I was already going. So, well, it's, you know, I, like she was all over the place, anything what, and everything. She was I, grappling. But, but I had rejected traditional medicine uh, several years earlier in, in, a, in an evolutionary journey. So I was skeptical 
of traditional medicine and traditional medicine treatments. Yeah. So that is a little different, right? Mm -hmm. Most people listening to this probably look at breast cancer as a catastrophic diagnosis, are gripped by both anger and fear, Mm-hmm. And to some degree, uh, um, a panic. I don't know. Oh, it's almost it's, like right, yeah, right? absolutely right. Um, and, and probably life will never be the same. Right. So, how does one? And one of the reasons I think, I, I don't know. You can connect, uh, correct me, Kim. I feel like she got over, or she did not necessarily have the fear because, as she said, she was in an evolutionary journey of wellness, which right. means. She knew there was an alternative to just the traditional medical approach. She wasn't caged or cornered. She had already started that journey, right? The, the, the challenge, the challenge is um, for most people, it's not. It's not simply that um, what Susan is talking about. She was. She was action, taking action, right? She was. She was looking for solutions. She. She had a, a, a broader lens than right. most people with a, 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 a catastrophic diagnosis as they perceive it to be, right? Now, I want to say. Um, that diagnosis will knock you off your, your, your bike, right? You ride along your cruise of life, you know, taking things for granted. This is how we live life. We take a lot for granted. Right. When you get a, a, a something, a piece of information come at you like that, it knocks you off your bike. It does. I mean, like crumbled to the floor, screaming, crying, right. un, you know, inconsolable. Because right. yeah. it's, one, it's not fair, Right. Right. It robs us of our potential life um, dream, right? And now I, I, the permission to even dream is removed because now you're fighting for life, right? Or that's the perception right. of most people. Now I got to fight for my life. Well, what I heard you say, which I, I want to highlight, is that you were living your life and you were in command of how you wanted to live that life with your pursuit of different types of medicine, wellness, health, you know, you were in charge of that. You partnered with people to help you with that. When you got that diagnosis, after you had your, your crash down crumble, you started looking for, okay, I'm, I'm seeking wisdom so that I can move towards wellness. I'm not going to own the automatic conclusions that, um, most people, um, are, give their power to. You never gave your power away, mm. right? I guess not. Uh, right. And and it was a good thing, too. Um, as it turned out, you know, the, 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 the medical facility I went to, I was recommended, the surgeon was highly recommended by, uh, again, my doctor of naturopathy, who I trusted and I had been connected with for years. And she was a tremendous support. She sent me to um, have a, a meditation, a personal meditation tape made for me, and uh, which was, and then I could stop using my weight loss <laughs> meditation <laughs> tape and started listening to this personalized, you know, meditation about calming and visualizing, uh, you, you know, all the the, the T cells, uh, you know surging through my body and yeah and so I mean that was extremely helpful and so um but so I was really wonderfully uplifted you know doing my juicing and everything until I got to the surgery had the surgery beautiful experience 
And then we come with um, the, the, the pathology report, right? You know, a few days after the surgery. And, you know, another crash and burn. So seven tumors, um, um, not in the lymph nodes, but uh, a great stage three. It was grade, it ended up being grade 2A, which I guess is in the scheme of life isn't any big deal, but it was stage three. And so that, so that was, um, again, kind of a crash and burn kind of experience. And um, so, and so this hospital boasts, you know, having a team. And so I met with the surgeon and she gave me her recommendations. And then the radiation oncologist came in and he gave me his recommendations. And I didn't, my gut told me I didn't like the radiation oncologist. And then the, and then the medical oncologist came in and, you know, like, okay. And I heard her story. And so then after I had my, um, my, lab reports in hand, I go to the medical oncologist and she looks at the results and says, oh, because you're a stage three cancer, you need chemotherapy. And I had been reading my little crazy off the wall books and what that said, you must, if you are, you know, um, estrogen positive, node negative, you must have an oncotype. Or, you know, you are, this would be a very important test to determine whether or not chemotherapy would be effective. And this woman never offered that to me. She was going to go right to chemotherapy. And I outright said, no, right off the bat. And she was astounded. I knocked her off of her, you know, <laughs> her block. I mean, she was like, Poof. and, um, and she was well, well, what are you going to do? I said, I want an oncotype. I want to see about this tumor. So uh, I don't know if people, oncotypes, and I don't know if it's changed in the five years that I've, since I've had cancer, but so zero to 15 is like low or no benefit from chemo. Mm -hmm. 15 to maybe 20, 25, 30 is moderate. And then above, I think 35 is, you know, you're in need of um, chemo. You resp respond you're, you would respond. Had an oncotype of nine. <laughs> a nine. I divorced that medical oncologist. Well, to begin with, the minute she recommended chemo without um, doing an oncotype, I divorced her. And um, I had div I've divorced like three medical oncologists, actually. Um, and uh, through workshops and lots of support. I've had the power to do that. That is empowering is to, if you don't feel, if your gut tells you, you don't like this person and that person isn't right for you, move on. This is really not about, um, you know, a specific medical professional. This is really about a partnership. That's right. Right. It's really about her education. It's not like she wasn't a passive she wasn't playing a passive role in her own medical care, which is what I think most patients do. The doctor knows best. The doctor's job is to make sure every treatment possible is given to you. It doesn't matter, you know, when you say the oncotype. I have patients now who will say, hey, chemotherapy doesn't work for my kind of tumor, but they're recommending chemo because they don't, they say that is the protocol. And people undergo these devastating treatments 
because their oncologist feels, I don't have anything else to give you. I got to do something for you. It's not that the doctor is meaning uh, ill will. It's just our job has always been, remember the medical system is trained to help you help somewhat reduce your suffering and reduce the recurrence of something like this. But it's your job to sit down and say, hey, doc, let's take, take it easy. Let's discuss this more practically. What really is my best shot with this? We don't have those conversations. Right. And one of the reasons Susan was able to do that is because she had already, like she mentioned, she was in this journey of being in charge of her health. Number one, she never got angry outside, but she was, you know, kind of broken down inside and had to rebuild that. Number two, she started reading about her cancer. Sometimes when you have cancer, most people don't see a functional medical doctor like me because they don't want to know what's wrong with them. That's how the, you know, that's how the mentality is. And here you have a person who is saying, okay, now that I've got this, what do I need to know about my disease process? And then had that discussion. And when your physician is not open to that discussion right. and is actually pushing a type of treatment, as a patient, you have and you are empowered to actually take that action of saying, you know, I need to find someone who can discuss this better with me. And the only reason for that was you had education and there was no fear. Is there anything else that you picked up from that journey of hers? Yeah. You know, what Susan's describing is is literally um, going in and, um, and doing the research, like you said, about um, she didn't own the fact that she had cancer, right? The cancer was not her identity. Most people, when they, they get a diagnosis, all of a sudden they become a cancer victim, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So you never owned that role, that identity, right? First win, right? That was not who you chose to be. You looked at it, okay, just like any other thing that comes up in life, it's like, all right, I need to get information. I need to find people who understand this and find out what my options are so I can make an informed decision. The thing that most people do is they get immediately a diagnosis like this, right? And it is in their face, their light, they feel like their life is just blown to smithereens. They put everything they have in the hands of somebody else. And they just want it fixed and for it to go away so they can have their life, right? That's all they want. They don't take responsibility, time or energy to come alongside and say, you know what, Um, I have been diagnosed with this but I don't have enough information and I don't have the specifics about it. So I need to do some homework. And most people don't even know where to start doing their homework. And so part of what I love about these conversations is um, sharing some resources. And Dr. Chellum is excellent with that, um, right? And so you found resources. So if you were to, if you had a conversation, if you were sitting in um, a doctor's office and a group of people were sitting in that office and they had just been diagnosed, what wisdom would you share with them about moving, how to handle and how to move forward? Well, (laughs) my husband says I'm very free with my 
advice and that I'm going to get in trouble. He says, you're practicing medicine without a um, license. And, but I am always not me. Me. It's not, 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 not her, me. I'm, I'm sitting in, you know, I'm going like, Oh, well, you know what? I would contact, uh, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. Um, I, for anybody, I mean, so to me, uh, just the first one connection would be a doctor of naturopathy. So somebody to support, you. I mean, if you're so entrenched in traditional medicine that you can't take a leap of faith into functional medicine, you know, to me, the middle step is maybe a doctor of naturopathy who can maybe help relieve your symptoms or support you through, you know, different aspects of your um, treatment process. So let me interrupt you there real quick, because part of part of where people get stuck is um, that they... Um, all they've known is traditional medicine, right? So, you know, that's it. That's all I've, all they've known. And so, and, and everything else has been, um, been labeled, right. Um, as something, um, that's kind of wonky, right? right. Um, and so they don't know who to trust. Right. And so when you say, um, you know, have, go to this to support, Going back to a mind's eye before you even had that support, right? At the beginning of your journey, it's like, how did you take that leap of faith? Oh, I mean, well, that's a long journey. That's a long story. But I mean, just just your mindset, not the journey itself, but the the switch that you had. Well, I mean, watching, it was, was the, the, the switch in my life was because of my son who had chronic severe head pain for about two and a half years. So you you took action because you were an advocate for somebody else. I was an advocate for someone else. And I saw traditional medicine fail him and then alternative medicine. And I tell you that literally cure him. I mean, like major hospital in Detroit, entire neurosurgery team wants to do neurosurgery because it might fix the pain that he's having in his head. And it ends up being an overabundance of yeast, killing off the yeast in his body, increasing the good bacteria, and his pain drops in seven days. Life altering. Life altering. So and that so that was, you know, that was my my like aha, wait a minute, you know, there's something other than traditional medicine. So. so what I just heard in what, and I was hoping that's what triggered it because um, we tend to fight more for others that we love than we do for ourselves. Ah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And part of the reason that is, is because we fail to love ourselves and respect ourselves and honor ourselves enough to fight for ourselves in a way that we would fight for somebody else. Yes. Yes. So when people, when that fear comes in, this thing, this prefrontal cortex gets like interrupted, like that connection gets really like wonky, right? And people go to reactive mode and they go to, um, um, you know, a fight mode in a fight, but not in a fight that serves in a fight that destroys. Uh, mm -hmm. So they actually become, we actually become part of the cancer instead of an advocate for our own well-being and wholeness. And so when you, when we trust our gut and we become our own advocate in our health, wellness, and life, holy crap, we can become wonder women, right? And that lasso of truth 
we don't put that on others. We put that lasso of truth on ourselves first and start killing our own lies. Yeah. Right. And that's, I said that to many of my friends who have been caught up in caregiving for, you know, um, loved ones. And, and I, the, my analogy is when you're on an airplane and they say, if the oxygen mass drops down, you put it on yourself first exactly. before you assist the, you know, your child or the person next to you who can't do it. You put it on yourself first. And that has always been, um, a, a, you know, this image in my mind. Yeah. And we take that for granted, right? I, I, unfortunately, and, and Dr. Jones, I, I'm on an airplane more than I am in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a, you know, so so part of in part of what I observe, my husband and I pay attention to those briefings every time we're on a plane, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're conscious of what we're choosing, right? We put ourselves in that environment, um, right? But I also observe that most others don't pay attention because they take it for granted. Ah, right. Absolutely. And so what happens is we become so desensitized and so everything becomes so normalized that when we get a diagnosis and when, um, and even before we get a diagnosis, we're not paying attention, right? We're just, we're we're just living life. We're just doing what we've always done. And, and, And we're in a rut of unconsciousness. Yes. And when we go to the doctor, right, we go to the doctor in a rut of unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless we've taken a different position, right? And we've decided to own that power that is ours, that we've honored. We've got our oxygen mask on and said, you know what? I'm the one putting my oxygen mask on. I own this, right? I'm responsible for this. So with that responsibility, um, how do I choose to move forward? And so you chose to move forward in your power, with your information, knowledge, um, and you paid attention to your gut. Seven times, I think I counted, you mentioned your gut, Mm -hmm. right? And that gut brain is a powerful brain, right? I mean, people, I don't think they pay attention enough to what Dr. Chalman, she's talking about the gut in the sense of that it, it operates as a um, a brain center brain yes Uh and i didn't and i didn't know it but it really was in my gut when i when people were saying like oh poor you it's nothing you did i'm going really it it really was literally a gut reaction and i'm and i rejected that and so finally as i read i began to read in some of the in these integrative books where they they said you know um you are never cured of cancer until you die from something else. That was a profound statement to me. And I thought to myself, yeah, I have to actively work every day for the rest of my life towards wellness. And Dr. Chillum has been a huge piece of, uh, you know, putting you know, pieces in this puzzle of life for me, you know, finding out genetically uh, what, you know, what um, um, nutrients I was lacking in my blood, um, minerals and, you know, glutathione and mm-hmm. zinc and, you know, glutathione is a low glutathione is a major cause of cancer and, and cause, you know, what, you know, how much inflammation do I have in my body and how do I eliminate the inflammation in my body? Uh, you know, just as I became more educated, I now understand what I need 
more about what I need to know and how I'm going to move forward to actively work towards wellness. Dr. Chellum told me other, the other day, and so I've quoted this to many people, you're either actively working towards wellness or you're passively working towards disease. Right, right. right. We just discussed this about, you know, darkness is natural. You got to kill the darkness by bringing in light. And the same thing with disease. Disease is your natural default. The only way to be truly healthy is you actively work towards that, and which is what she did with her son. If you really look at the difference between the traditional medical approach for him, they were not trying to do something bad. They no. were just trying to reduce his suffering, but they right. knew only one way to exactly. do it. Exactly, right? right. Within their, yes, within the realm of their knowledge, right. They gave me little pain pills. This, this was a pediatric anesthesiologist. They didn't know what to do for his pain. They're handing me prescriptions that I'm putting in his little body first thing in the morning. And what the side effects are, hmm, ironically, migraine, nausea, dizziness. <laughs> they were calling me at noon going, you know, your son's vomiting. <laughs> and he's sick. I mean, he was in high school. I, I didn't think he was going to graduate. Um, you know, they, they didn't, you know, they handed me these pills going like, I, I don't know if these are going to help. Now, wisely, they didn't give him any not narcotics, so he's not addicted to anything now, And um, but it, it, it didn't help. Right. But also the alternative, when you went to the alternative physician, it wasn't about just diagnosis and suppressing the candida. It's, it was about creation of health. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Right? Destroying and a candida and increasing good, get back, good gut bacteria, which turned his life around. Right. And I think that's probably the biggest um, missing piece of the puzzle. People think if I have to create health, it's going to be, it means I can't have my ice cream at night. I can't, um, you know, uh, sleep and I got to exercise. There are so many thought processes that go through people's heads. That they don't, they fail to realize. Today I was walking and, you know, it, it was just a sad sight. I was walking into a grocery store and I found this guy walking out and he was limping. Mm. And I wanted to just smile at him and I could see a distressed mm -hmm. face. Mm -hmm. But what I suddenly noticed was he was actually leaking stool through his pants. Oh, it, wow. is, it is so sad. Oh. And I think whoever was his family member had brought the car. They couldn't finish their shopping or they finished their shopping. I don't know what it was. I was just devastated looking at that yeah. and thinking that should not be anybody's life. Right. And I'm sure he has medical insurance and he is seeing a doctor. Right. But I almost feel like right. this should not be anybody's life. So... When you actively, when you're not actively creating health, what really happens is, and with Susan's case too, when you look at it, one of the biggest fears is once you get into that world of cancer diagnosis, the fear is always when is it going to come back? Oh yeah, right, right, wow. yes. You and and even though I mean I had been moving towards wellness and I'd been doing all these things, but still, once you have that cancer diagnosis, it's this big dark cloud that kind of hovers over your head, you know, like, oh, when is it going to come back? But but working with Dr. Chellum has just exploded that dark cloud for me, you know what I mean? I just feel 
confident and and uh, I just feel, I just feel like I'm moving forward in the direction I need to be moving. And one of the other things that Without also fear. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned that really caught my attention was again when you said you were you had a lot of anger which was towards yourself and towards your family in many ways. And I, and I think we just discussed a book just before we went on the podcast. And you said one of the bases was the spiritual, right? Right, right. yes. Um, Greg Anderson's book, um, Breast Cancer, 50 Essential Things You Should Know. And and I in my education over and over again, I uh, come across the same components, which really resonate with me. Um, CrispyCancer.com, which Dr. Chellum put me on to, and hearing his story, the, the, it's a whole package. And Dr. Chellum was, you know, so I was eating better. I was doing this, but exercising is not my favorite thing. And Dr. Chellum kept encouraging me. And so, but the, it's spiritual attitude, support, exercise, nutrition, and medical as the pyramid. And, but the, the basis is spiritual. And it's, so it's a, it's, the wholeness of healing it's just um that has it's a challenge but a goal so here here's a question for you and, and a question for everybody because when people hear spiritual a lot of times they go to a preconceived um understanding of that and so a lot of times i use the essence our very essence of ourselves right because what happens is we don't tune into that essence right? And we don't connect with anything bigger than ourselves a lot of times until we're knocked on our butt, right? And then it's like, then it gets our attention, right? I call those two by four moments, right? Bam! <laughs> and, and so it's, it's like, well, what the heck, right? And so part of that, um, part of that grounding process, right, is literally getting into your body, right? Because if we're not present, we can't do anything at all. We become, you know, we just drift and whatever happens, happens to us, mm-hmm. supposedly, right? But the thing about our spiritual essence is when we choose to ground ourselves and literally feel our feet, our toes, all the way, all the way, all of us, we, we actually also get to feel our pain mm-hmm. and people run from that. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And the reality is when we feel through our pain, right. it releases, right? It releases. And what happens when we release things, right? It creates space for health, wellness, life, and love. Yeah. Right. So when we ground ourselves, when we touch our spirituality, when we connect with something bigger than us, we understand that there's more to us than cancer. There's more to us than work. There's more to us than whatever the X, Y, Z is that we've labeled our being as. Mm -hmm. We can touch that. Then we touch a place that holds joy. It holds joy. It holds brightness. And people look for light outside of themselves. The brightest light that exists is a light that shines from within and is offered out. Right, we become, we are the lighthouse, right, for our own life, and then ultimately, hopefully, recognizing others' lighthouse. But that spiritual piece, that's huge because without it, 
we frost our shit every day. <laughs> um, forgiving, forgiving myself um, is is mm. something I work on all the time, and then and forgiving others. And forgiveness is so so challenging, uh, but it, again, essential. Uh, I, I feel forgiveness uh, comes into play because we are judgmental. We judge ourselves so much more than we judge others. And so, um, and a lot of times we don't realize that. Mm -hmm. And we, um, you know, a lot of times when I get on, uh, right now all our lives are open on social media, whether you like it or not, it is out there, right? And when I look at trollers on Facebook, I always look at how much anger they have within them which really explodes out in this because there's no face to that name, right? And a lot of them Mm -hmm. are able to say things and get away with it. So I find that, imagine if we behave that way in Mm -hmm. real life. And I think we do sometimes when somebody is yelling or shouting at you or is angry with you, is it's a projection of their own anger a lot of times. Very rarely is it about you. And that takes a long time. Yeah. Well, it, 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 you know, it could, but it could also go very quickly, right? Um, we, we don't have to hold on to our shit. We can flush it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, um, it's, part of, it's, it's part of the lie that um, freedom takes a lot of time. Mm. Freedom is actually a choice. Yeah. Freedom is a choice. And so forgiveness is also a choice. Yeah. Oh, right. Absolutely. Freedom is also a choice. Yeah. And so part of part of what we've done to ourselves is we've created a culture that abuse of each other is normal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? That it's normal. Yes. And so we've normalized it such, to such an extent that um, we, we don't even recognize when it happens because it's just the way it is. You know, it's like dry, doing a drive through at McDonald's. Well, I'll take a fry and a big, you know, you just, you just order what you like and keep moving. And, and it's just part of life. You know, it's a drive through life, right? But forgiveness, as is freedom, only takes a moment of choice that we commit to and we're willing to sacrifice for. Oh. Right? We commit to and we're willing to sacrifice for, right? So, um, a lot, of, a lot of clients I work with, they're wanting to make changes in their life, right? So change requires that um, I shift from what I've been currently doing or thinking or whatever, whatever the it is, to something I'd rather do, be, or pursue, right? But the challenge is, is we, have, um, we have a whole set of processes assigned to status quo. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah. And so when we make that shift, we also have to align a lot of other things to support the shift we want to make. Right? So part of what um, what I do is I, I introduce play into life. Why? Because um, play is a place where we can try stuff out without pass-fail. It's a place where we can rediscover our spirit. It's a place where we can try stuff out and, you know, be a little more at ease with things. Um, 
just like with all your research on the cancer, all your work with your son, it's like you looked at this, you researched this, you pulled things up, and you just played in this, I call it playing in the sandbox with stuff, right? Uh-huh. And you play in the sandbox with it, and it gives you a place where, okay, okay, I got this, but but there's a gap here. And so you're playing with it, you're playing with it, right? But as you're doing that, you're rewiring your whole system, right? Because what we focus on and take action with grows. So people on social media that are angry, that are doing all this stuff, they what they're doing is they're focusing on that anger. And that becomes a contagion, mm-hmm. right? Because what we focus on grows. Right. So I'll introduce you to my little my little plan that I have here. Right. So you mentioned the cloud, right? So when I when I get um, when I have to, I need to shift my perspective. I have this um, community, so I work in you know at home. So, and I need to have conversations that help shift my perspective. And I have this cloud running over me. Then I enter. I have Eeyore here, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Right. And so I ask Eeyore. I look. I tell the situation. I said, "So Eeyore, talk to me. What what's really what what's what's with this cloud today?" Well, so I create a whole conversation from Eeyore's perspective. Right. Well, then yes. I also have Tigger, right? Playful Tigger, right? I also have Piglet. I have Pooh. I have different things. You know why? Gives me different perspective. It's playful. It's light. What we need to infuse in our, our darkness is that light of play, that light of possibility, that permission to spread our wings again and not clip them ourselves. Most of the times, our wings are not clipped by others. We clip them continuously so we do not fly free. We bind ourselves, right? Just like you chose not to identify with the cancer diagnosis, you chose to find solutions to deal with it, remove it, get rid of it, and pursue wellness. That was the goal. It wasn't any of the other stuff. It's like, okay, so just like if we get a cold or a bug, right? Okay, we deal with it. But for when we are conditioned with fear, we get this diagnosis that's life-threatening. Life-threatening quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, our perspective changes to Eeyore. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Right. right? And it's like... Eeyore is still adorable. I know, right? And he has his role, Right. There, there are times when taking that perspective is actually um, not a bad way to be mm. for a moment, right? To, for to a moment, pause, right? To, because if we didn't have clouds, you know, we would have other issues, right? But it's not only the cloud. You know, Eeyore is in a community of, of a very broad, different perspectives. What we do is we only have this perspective, you know, so we're blinded. What you did is you gathered different perspectives, a community of perspectives to help you navigate your course for your life. Does that resonate? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And look at your smile, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I continue to do that. And uh, Dr. Chellum has been a, a key person. So I think one of the things that she does is everybody who has a problem Susan will be there to let them know what they can do different. So I, I think most of her friends avoid her these days, mainly because, you know, they know 
It's they either either they either embrace me, embrace me or uh, avoid me. It's like, oh my god, Susan is coming. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's that's a that's a delicate dance too, right? Because um, think about it: when somebody has this wealth of knowledge and wisdom and experience, when someone's in the throw of their cloud, and if it comes at them too directly. It's blinding, and they can't. They can't. They can't hold. They can't even process it. Right. 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 So part of our um, our responsibility and I and, and gift, right, um, as as human persons, is to create sacred space for people to be safe. Right. Because when we create safety, right, then this this prefrontal cortex will kick in. And dis- dislodge from that that what do you call it? that base brain, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like then they can they can hear, right? Then they can process. But if we come on and we we tell we tell people what to do, um, we come at them telling them what to do. We actually shut their pre We shut them down, right? We shut them down. So um, part of what I had on the board, I I raised it before we went on, is um, a quote that says, our conversations create our world. Mm -hmm. So if we think about the types of conversations we have with ourselves inside and the types of conversations we have with each other, are they the types of conversations that build strength, love, safety? Or do we look at each other as broken and need fixed? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So when we, we, and I'll talk, I'll do a lot of exercises on helping at the workshop in July on, the, on creating conversations that create that safety so that people choose and act in their best interest more often. Right? Because we really want that. We, we just lost our way in how to do that. Right. Make sense? I mean, and I, I, I don't, can't remember if it was Dr. Chellum or what I was reading, but one thing, you know, when I think of, because I, I mean, my whole career was like a helping career. And so it's, um, you know, it's a shift in my thinking, but is um, just living my life as an example and, you know, doing what I need to do and, and having people look at me and go like, oh, okay, I see Susan is able to or, or whatever. So they will see me as maybe something some in some way they want to work towards yeah. more. How many questions do you get? Because people will ask when people ask a question, um, I ask, you know, which is always a gift, right? Um, if they're willing to go on the quest, but if they ask the question and they're not willing to go on the quest, then our response is different. Um, what I mean by that is somebody asks, well, how did, well, how did you do that? And, it, and it's like, well, um, so instead of answering that particular question, then the question back to him is actually more powerful than your answer, right? So a question to ask back is like, what is it you truly desire most in your life right now? Mm. And how can I help you there? Right? And um, because now, instead of them coming at you with a question, 
you've asked them a, in a question in response to that they're curious, which is, is what you want because curiosity is the first place to go towards freedom, yeah? Um, and so when you flip that around and get them to own their quest as captain of their quest, now you've you, you got a conversation worth having. Make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. one of the things you said is we live our lives binding ourselves down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that binding down comes because we want to belong. Like yes. somebody like her who is saying, oh, no, the, you know, what you know traditionally is really not the only thing. You need to do something different. Now, she doesn't belong. Right? Right. She's an outlier. Yeah. And for her to actually blend in and actually do what she does is education and really educate people. It would have to be uh, in a way she has to, they have to feel like they belong. And Hey, this is a conversation I want to be a part of. I want to know more when they look at her as an outlier. It's almost like, yeah, this is not what I want to do, or this is too much for me. This is not something that I can do. Whereas the ones who embrace her are already, they've been looking for something and she's like a ray of hope Right. that she walks in and she says something, you know, exactly what I, what you said is what I've been thinking. Thank you so much for that information. So that's why she has these two extremes of people. Mm-hmm. And I know she so badly wants to help folks. And I find one of the biggest thing and which I always tell her is the mindset. Yes. And the mindset really is, and we just had this conversation. If I knew how to shift that mindset and let people not talk about the irrelevant details of, you know, uh, what does it cost? What is the time? How can I do this? Da, 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 da. You know, when people talk to me about all these irrelevant things, the most relevant thing is you need to live your life to the fullest. You want to live your authentic life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. Why is that not happening? What because do you think? People do not believe it can happen. People think that's a fairy tale. Watch our television, our movies, and all of that, right? Um, we have heroes, right, in our movies and stuff, but they are not normal. <laughs> right. Right? They're not the norm. They're the outliers, right? So we have conditioned ourselves to believe that only a few can have it all, right? And because of that belief, right, um, our perceptions and beliefs drive our conversations Mm -hmm. in ourselves and with others. And because of that, it's how we talk ourselves into and out of things, right? Got it. So part of what um, what's so powerful about the conversations Dr. Chellum is doing in these podcasts is creating that space for conversations where people can say, ah, I agree with that. I don't agree with this. Blah, blah, right. That's very healthy. Right. Because it creates this different perspective dialogue. And, and it's OK if we disagree here, or we agree there or whatever, because it's not about um, rights and wrongs. It's about expansion of perspective so that we can then make some more informed decisions and own our power and responsibility. That's the conversations we're not having well, um, having that personal power, that freedom, because we don't believe it's possible. 
We've been culturally conditioned to cork it. You know, it's like winning the lottery. When I win the lottery, I will X, Y, and Z. And it's like, why put that hope on a random thing when you can actually create it and move toward it? Right, right. Because that's one of the things that occurred to me when I see it. We all have the same starting line, which is birth. And we all have the same finish line, which is death. Yes. The journey in between is what defines our experience. I mean, the experience defines the whole journey, right? And I think when people are not open to some a different way of thinking, it's because they're in a different point in their journey towards death. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I think we have to keep that in in the past. It used to be when I started my practice, I wanted to help just everybody who crossed mm-hmm. through that door. Mm-hmm. Everybody needed to be a part of my practice. Today, I tell people on the phone, I don't think my practice is the right one for you because I know when I'm talking to them what they're looking for and I know I can provide it for them. Mm-hmm. And so making that shift in my mind, like Mm -hmm. who is my ideal client, who I can, I really help because the purpose of my practice should be to help and who was ready to receive that help. That has been a great shift and which has really been the biggest game changer for our practice today. Every client I work with, I just love them. I love looking forward to meeting them. Whereas if you look at it, maybe four years ago, I would look at the list and I would want to call in sick into my own Aww. practice. Right. It was, yeah. It's just, a, it's a shift yeah. because yeah. we're not resonating with each other because we're in different parts of the same journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of what you're saying is really, we have to understand other people's perspectives, but we don't necessarily need to draw them right. towards what we believe in because it's not the, their time as yet. It's part of, I mean, it's part of the thing about freedom. This is why freedom is so important. Um, in order, in order for freedom to be, to freedom to be real, we also have to honor ourselves and we have to honor where others are. And I, I mean, truly honor, which quite honestly sucks sometimes because where somebody's at um, might not be in a very good space, but until they choose something different, Um, or ask for something different and will do the work to move towards that. Um, If we try to do something to them, we're impeding their freedom and we're not honoring them either. Right. And we're not honoring ourselves and our freedom because we're trying to, to power over somebody instead of be with somebody. Right. Which is a vastly different perspective and a vastly different mindset. Meditation is a great example of that mindset, right? Because think about it. And you gave a, your perfect examples. Like I, I had to, I was using this diet meditation tape to quiet my mind. Ah, right. But when we, when we can get in touch and quiet this so that we can actually truly listen and be present and not listen for anything particular, but the listening is the presence piece, right? Because in that presence, then I can navigate, right? I can navigate. But until I get that present place, my freedom's impeded. 
My decision-making is um, clouded, right? My energy level is, is, is um, like shotgun. It comes and goes. It's like all over the place, right? Um, my relationships, um, I don't trust. And we don't trust because we don't trust ourselves, right? Once we get that space, then it doesn't matter what comes at us. Because we have the freedom and the respect and the honor to know that we can figure it out, right? And we can navigate through it. But until we have that, that navigation, people don't believe they have that power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think one of the things that with Susan's journey is how, how did you actually get to you know, uh, get on that journey when you first started? Was it because you happened to uh, connect with an integrative physician in very early in the journey? Was it just by default or was it something that you were looking for? Well, I mean, once um, I, it was, it was with Stephen. And so once we did an integrative treatment for Stephen and it was so successful, then I, Started looking but why did you go to an integrative treatment? How did, how did you make that decision? Yeah. Well, yeah. I was in a meeting and this woman, you know, I was telling, she goes, oh, what would you, did you do today? And I said, well, I was downtown. My, they were injecting Motrin into my son's head and, you know, and he's worse off and his head's pain's horrible. And, and she goes, well, you know, um, I went to somebody and he's kind of strange and you might want to go and watch his videos before you decide to go to him because so she he's met really strange. <laughs> And yeah, I met a Susan and yeah. And so, and, and I'm, Hey, I'm desperate, right? You know, I just watch and, and with, with watching them, you know, do the, these treatments to my Steven, I, it was like, I was having an out of body experience. You know what I mean? I was looking down on this and thinking maybe he'd be better off dead. Um, wow. Th this <laughs> is not working. What, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I was open to just about anything po possible. And so when my husband was teasing me, he goes, oh, so you're going to the doctor with the little pink rattle and the feathers? And I said, yep, I am, because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> and so we did. Right. Because when we, when we get um, desperate in the good sense, we start listening differently, Right. And the conversation that you had with somebody, that conversation, you, you, you could have went anywhere in your conversation, but you were at your, your breaking point. You were at a loss. Yep. Well, you shared that breaking point loss, and, and because you did, right? And you did it in such a way that that other person could share with you, and they were gentle about it. Well, you might want to check out the videos first, right? Because they were honoring that they knew this was a little wonky, right, for the general population. So they were honoring that this might be way outside of your experience. So she gave you a way to gently expose yourself that was safe, honoring, and gave you possibility. Mm. Yeah, Got it. So I, I think that's probably what I want to convey to people is sometimes one of my frustration of, as a functional medical practitioner is people come to me when everything has failed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would just wish they would come to me at the very first 
time, they are shocked by a diagnosis, not mm -hmm. necessarily having gone through the traditional run, gone through the frustration of testing and medicines. And how does, and I think today is in this day and age, we are in a very um, unique, a very, uh, and I think it, I would, say, I've said this before, in, a, in the best place to be both a physician as well as a patient. Yes. Because we are teeming with information. And it's just up to each one of us to open our eyes and, number one, ask the right questions. Right. Number two, remove emotion out of the situation. It's, it's, I think that's the hardest. The panic, the fear, the anger, all of those set that aside and step back and see what else can I know about this situation? Who else can I speak with about this situation? And really, when it's sometimes when people come to me and um, educated people, I'm not talking about you know um, somebody who hasn't been educated. When I say educated, like past high school, is really you know happy to just live life mindlessly. But I'm talking about educated people and doctors, nurses professionals, business folks, when you tell them, hey, this is a disease that can be actually reversed, they look at me like, what do you mean by it can be reversed, right? It's almost like we're living in different silos. And it's almost like I want people to open their eyes. And, you know, the internet, as much as it's a dangerous place, it's also a world of information. And we bring people like Susan on. I mean, this is, generally patients don't, need to and don't have to share their personal stories, but a lot of our patients do that because it's really helping other people understand there's a different path out there. It's the choice is yours to ask the right questions and approach this a little differently so that you don't have to suffer as many years as you do or most people do before they find a functional medical practice and then we're trying to rebuild 25 years of health in three months. Right? Um, I would add the piece that is overwhelming is that there is so much information. We don't have the filters to sift through. Right. What you do, Dr. Chellum, is that you, you have a, you are sharp in the clarity department. You are crystal clear on helping people to um, put on different lenses. So they look at things differently. Um, that's scary. And, and part of what, people want to do they want to either what we ask people to do a lot of times is to turn on or turn off emotion mm -hmm. and what's real is that's not real right? right what what is real is to acknowledge what they're feeling so it's like you know what this and this is what i do with people every day is like this is scary just name it right and it's like yeah it is acknowledge it and when, um, when we're in that space, and once we, once we feel heard, our, when our emotions have felt honored that they've been heard, you know what? Then this kicks in, mm -hmm. right? But if we try to suppress them, we give it more power than they have, than it should have, so they can't hear. But what Dr. Chellum was saying is, here's here's all of this this opportunity yes you know to get in front of it 
to learn how to navigate it, to reverse it. But we've been conditioned and our health system has been trained. Like our, um, our accountants have been trained, right, to, to, to do a particular accounting process, right? And so everybody must follow that process, right? Um, so in every profession, there's a, there's a lens or perspective they're trained in and it's limited. You know, it's limited. And so there is no profession that has it all, right? We all have limited perspective. That's why we need each other, right? So Dr. Chillum has this laser clarity that she has that can help people when she listens to them. Um, and she's looking for um, not only their pain points, but she's listening to their story because their story holds yes. Um, healing, yes? Yes. And in our story, we don't pay attention to it. We ignore our own life story. Again, it goes back to that honor, right? And so Dr. Chellum, you know, helps us reconnect with our story in such a way that says, all right, here we go. Here's, here are some components to be looking at. Here are some possibilities to consider. Here are some resources available to you. That might be the first time in their entire life they've ever had a conversation like that. And it's scary as hell. Right. Why? Because it shattered what they had known to be true. And I think we need to honor that, that a lot of times what, we, what we're doing is we're shattering an illusion. Yes. Right? And it's frustrating for those who have already been, who've moved past that because it's like, hey, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know? Yeah. But what you, what you do is you create a safe place for people to access that with support. And most people have never experienced that, never experienced that. And so it's a powerful gift that you bring. Um, it's a powerful gift as a professional in the medical field that you bring. Um, and it's a powerful gift to this community that you engage in conversation that helps people do the same. Like Susan, you know, it's like step out, have these conversations, you know, share the wisdom and connect people to people who can help them a broader perspective right and I, I think that's very important and that's why I think healthcare has to be a community it yeah. cannot be the the practitioner can only be as a GPS you know I just know a little more about this in terms of my education okay. but really I need to know where you exactly want to go and you have to make that decision where you want to go some people are quite happy I've had patients who've told me I, uh, I, I remember having this very distinct conversation well before I knew what functional medicine was um, with a patient uh, saying, hey, your cholesterol is high. You have one of two options. One is you can change your diet. It'll take in six months. We can revisit or I can put you on a cholesterol lowering medicine. He said, doc, that's all too much trouble. Just put me on a cholesterol lowering mm, medicine. Right. Well, yeah. Right. And people have that yeah, choice. Yeah, it it right. is your choice and there's nothing right. wrong with that choice. That's where you are in your journey. And it's okay for you to say, I just want chemotherapy, surgery and radiation. And I'm okay following up in five years. And if a recurrence happens, I will consider it as bad luck. That is also a thought process mm. that is also acceptable today. 
But if your true thought is, I want to be there for my kids or my grandkids, I want to feel well, I don't want to live in fear. I just hate the fact that I, I have this now. What can I do different? Then I want you to know that there is that option available to you. There are so, there are so many resources today. I mean, when Susan started her journey, one of the things, if you notice, after the emotional outburst, the next part of was, let me take control. Let me learn a little more. Let me be an equal partner. This was way before even I probably started talking about a partnership. I, don't, I tell patients, I don't think I have all the answers, but as you go along, I would know what to do as long as we, you know, we're in the same, we're going towards the same goals. And I'm there with you on your journey mm-hmm. as your health creation provider, right. right? That's a great, that's a great way of framing it. Love that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So because I don't think, I don't think any one of us, the more I learn, the less I know. And so that's, it always frightens me every time I read another article, look at another video, listen to another podcast. I'm like, there's so much to know. I'm never going to know in this lifetime. This is the first time in my life I've ever felt. I did not start this journey early. I feel like I don't have enough time left mm. to learn what I need to learn. Wow. So I think, you know, for those of you out there, uh, the do-it-yourselves, you know, um, which a part of it was like you started your journey, but you also got on to professional help. Right. right? I, I always had an anchor, anchor in a, yeah. a, a, as a professional. Yes. And I was anchorless from the from the fact that I didn't have like a, my internist, but I did have a doctor of naturopathy who kind of got me through until I could connect with um, a functional right. medicine physician. But you perceived that. So part of, part of what I think people need to take away as well is that um, we own our journey, right? Yes. We own it. And so ask the question, seek help, seek wisdom, um, uh, be your greatest advocate. Right. You know, be yes. your greatest ad- honor yourself enough absolutely. to be your greatest advocate. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I know those of you listening to this, hopefully you will listen to it. I'll put it up in a few, um, in a couple of days. I want you to listen to this. I, I just think um, Kim has been awesome. Oh, yeah. The way she's dissected it. And you can see her in all her awesomeness live <laughs> on July 13th. Make sure you sign up for that particular workshop. It's a three hour workshop. And above all, if you followed our Facebook page, we cook in this office, which I probably should not say in public, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to actually make a great, awesome lunch um, on that day. So make sure you sign up to call the office. And if you have any questions for Susan, you can reach out on the uh, Facebook page where you watch this video and I'm sure she'll be happy to answer. I will pass the question on to her and she will be able to answer from a patient experience standpoint um, how she really navigated this journey and is right now as an advocate for many of her friends and family. And, you know, I, I think every time she comes, she's talking to me about yet another person she would love to help yeah so uh it's awesome so uh thank you again kim very much my joy and susan keep shining brightly you are gloriously bright and thank you (laughs) thank you you are too already then if you've listened to this podcast fully 
I would like to hope you have gained some new knowledge, a different way of thinking, and have benefited from it. If so, would you please do me a favor and share this with your family and friends? I do, however, want to mention that nothing that is stated in this podcast or written in the show notes should be construed as medical advice. We would like you as an individual to seek your medical advice from your specific provider. Our goal has all along been to dig into some existing truths, try and make it simple, so we all have a better understanding of our options out there to live fulfilling lives. It may be also prudent for me to mention the obvious here that no doctor-patient relationship was ever formed. In closing, I am grateful that you joined us and please do not forget to leave a review or share this info. Signing off till next time, I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalamet.